and welcome to episode 1238 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, it is December 14th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this afternoon by Justin Mason. Justin, good day, sir. Good day. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Mid Midweek, coming into the weekend here. News has been a little light, but still excited to talk some baseball. How about you? How's everything going over there? It looks like it's looking like it's cold. Like it's not it's, warm here, but it's looking like it's cold over there. It is 55 degrees outside my office, but inside of my office, it is a balmy 46 degrees. Oh, my um, God. You know I'd be even more bundled up than that. Yeah. it's. Uh, I When I first came out here, I was all like, oh, okay, it's not too bad outside. And I walked in my office and was like, holy shit. Um, Why is it so much that. colder? Because it was like it was cold last night. The cold, yeah, just keeps the cold in, and um, I don't like that. I've got a heater, but I I can't run the heater when we record because I risk like you know setting off the breaker and flipping the breaker. The yeah. yeah, yeah. So been there with space heaters flipping flipping the breaker on occasion because I run those suckers into the ground. But uh, well, hopefully you stay warm. I love that that white uh, San Francisco beanie that you got there with your hoodie um, and your sign today says it's football over. It's getting there. Feels like my Lions think it's over the way they've been playing, but we won't get into all that. we got some news to talk about, and then I'm going to ask you a little bit about some of your offseason prep. Now, we know you make your projections, but what I want you to kind of think about as we get uh, through these news bits is, some tips that maybe you have for people to prepare that aren't doing handmade projections and whatnot. Obviously, the very first thing that we can say before we even get to it is buy the Fantasy Forecaster, Baseball HQ Forecaster, if you can afford it. Not everyone has expendable income on that. Totally understand. But if you got the, the 40 bucks, that is a huge investment. We'll get into some more stuff that Justin can recommend for you in the offseason. These Thursday episodes are going to be shorter. They're going to be more in the 30-minute range covering news. Obviously, today's a little bit of a light one, but we still have a lot of things to go in off season. So I, I still think these will be full most of the time. And um, I had actually forgotten to put two signings on there that are of some relevance because we covered deep. So I, I added those two to the rundown there. We also have two big injuries, unfortunately, to discuss. But let's start with some big news related to your Giants as you're wearing the gear. Jun, Jung-Hoo Lee, the grandson of Wind, which is an amazing nickname, signs with y'all uh, on a big, was it six-year deal? Yeah, six years, yeah. 118 million or something like that. Not not bad at all. Like that is an impact signing coming over from KBO, 25 years old. Um, you know, as I'm looking at this, the bat, as far as the numbers in the KBO, they give me some Hasung Kim vibes. Um, I think Kim ran more when he was over in the KBO. So we were thinking, you know, he's going to be a, a do everything kind of player. Whereas, uh, uh, the grand, being despite being the grandson of wind, he's not uh, super super fast himself. He does have a lot of double digit stolen base seasons, but just six last year, five the year before that for Lee. But what do you think of Jung Hoo Lee coming to your ball club? Are you excited by this move? I know it's not the top of the scale, but he's a pretty impactful guy and he's big over in the KBO. So this feels like a solid move. What do you think of uh, Jung Hoo Lee? Yeah, I thought it was um, a decent signing. Like I mean, I, I know like every everybody i've talked to out in this area is like oh you know this is gonna you know he could be a star like he could you know i don't think he's a star like i don't think he's like uh, i think he's a really really interesting glue piece on a team that has no pieces to stick to him um which is a problem uh his fault though. this would be a really good like tertiary signing um but we haven't seen like the uh you know individual signings that 
would make it more beneficial. Sure. Do, do you um, not consider Kim a star? Uh, I like in terms of impact? I mean, I think he is. I think he is now, right? And I think one of the things we have to be really careful with on a guy like Lee is like how quickly is he going to translate? You know, Hassan probably going to need a transition year just like uh, Kim did, right? That first yeah. year was quite dreadful, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. uh, but then the last two years for war, I really do think Lee could take the same trajectory. That said, I did go for him in a gladiator, our first one. Uh, before he even signed, trying to get in on the ground floor there. I would like him better in a DC. I'm just not in DCs. And now the price is, of course, going to go up. I think he'll still be pretty affordable, but it won't be as cool as, you know, it won't be as cheap as taking him before he had signed. But Jung Hoo Lee, it's tough to know if he's going to hit the ground running. And if we are going to keep the Kim comp going, then it is worth mentioning that Kim, Hassan Kim had a 71 WRC plus and 298 plate appearances in 2021. He obviously wasn't playing as much because he wasn't having very much success. Uh, but then these last two years, like I said, four win campaigns for him. That could be similar to Lee because he's also coming over at age 25, just like Kim did. So totally understand why you're not, you know, doing backflips going crazy over this, but I I'm pretty excited in the long term. I also want people to be careful. Like they are, they're not the same type of player, right? Like Kim in, uh, in the KBO, like, you know, before he came over, like had a 30 homer, 21 solo base season. Uh, well, uh, Lee has 23 homers two years ago. I think they're pretty close. I think, I except for the speed. That's what I'm saying. I, I think the bats I think are that, similar. I think Lee's best or, you know, most likely outcome if he, you know, if he's good, right? I mean, he could just be atrocious. Sure. Um, and just be overmatched because, you know, we talk about it, you know, that, KBO is similar to like double A in terms of talent level. Is it still um, all the way down there? I think so. Maybe it's closer to triple A. Maybe it's in between double A and triple A. Yeah, but, I, I know that um, uh, the Japanese league is more of a triple A plus, a quad A, if you will. It's not, it's a, it's a bit higher than that. It's higher than the KBO. So maybe KBO is like double A plus or, or even triple A now. Go ahead. I would think of Lee as like an Alex Verdugo type, right? He's, you know, a good defender. Uh, you, which on the Giants is important because they have not had good at, outfield defense recently. So I think mm -hmm. he, uh, and with the contract, I think he's going to play every single day. Uh, I think he could potentially, you know, hit high up in that Giants lineup. Uh, I think he can hit for, you know, 15 ish home runs and steal, you know, a handful of bases. Uh, but like, I don't think he is a fantasy difference maker. I don't think he's a real life baseball difference maker. Uh, well, I definitely think guys. he can be a real life difference maker as, you know, like a three, four, one player. Um, Verdugo's bat is Ha Seung Kim's bat, though. So I go back to that comp. And I'm not just trying to do a KBO to KBO comp, but like, I think they got similar bats. And so I, I do still see kind of a link but between, the, between those the two. The big difference is the stolen bases, right? Well, I, I, I said that right can, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I said yeah. that right so, away. Like he, he steals tens of base or 10 bases, like uh, five straight years between 10 and 13. Last year, six. The year before that, just five. So only 11 in the last two years for, for Lee after the five years of doing 10 plus stolen bases. Meanwhile, Kim is is a burner. So from a fantasy yeah. impact, yes. But I'm talking about just the bat. I see 
Tim equals Verdugo equals Lee. Will Lee be good year one? That's the question we don't know. So if the price goes too crazy, which it will go up, we know that because now he has a team and people are going to, frankly, a lot of people probably just didn't know who he was. Um, even people drafting now aren't necessarily fully adept on the overseas players. So just know, learning of who he is now is going to uh, raise Jung Hoo Lee's price a good bit. But I mean, he's a 351 80, 359 ADP in the 29 draft champions leagues. Where do you think that goes? He's 351. 359. I said I misspoke. Oh, 359. Um, I'd say like closer to like 300, but um, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to jump up. I think the fact he landed in San Francisco on a team that isn't very good in a park that isn't good for hitters. Um, actually will keep his price down a fair amount i think if he ended up on a you know team you know they needed a center fielder that you know was in a good park and you know uh on a good team like maybe he starts pushing the 250 area but i think now i mean there's a chance you could probably still get him 330 something like that so uh i'll be well, definitely interested to see maybe so okay wait this is actually before he signed on 12:10 and it's the clear outlier but someone took him 157 wow see and that's that's like kind of the crapshoot with some of these you know um international imports because we don't know who they are and sometimes exactly. people want the shiny new toy like right they want the unknown we did um, that with kim i want to mm -hmm. say like we did take that plunge I think we're both going to learn from that, though, and give Jung Hooli a transition year. So for me, yeah. once he starts pushing past, say, 275, if that's where he's going, then I'm going to be out. I'll be happy with my Gladiator share. I'd like to get, like, one more DC share uh, of Jung Hooli, but other than that, I'm not going to push. The other drafts after 1210, because, again, he had signed on 1212, I think, right? He just signed two days ago with y'all. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So... They, they were drafting on spec with that one. So the two there were two drafts on 12-12 uh, dated here, 297 and 275. So there you go. You hit my threshold on 275. If it goes much higher than that and his ADP is pushing into the mid-200s, then I will be out on Jung Hoo Lee. And I, I suspect you will be too since you're a little bit lower yeah, than I, I am. Think, yeah, I think I will likely be out on Lee uh, this year. Um, and... I, I could see where I could see taking him is in like a shallower format, right? A place so where on. like, yeah, I can move on really easily. I'm not worried mm -hmm. about the draft cost, um, you know, and those guys at the bottom of your roster anyways tend to be guys you're just cycling through. Uh, but, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe he is Haseon Kim right out the gate. Yeah, you know, and one of the things that like he is known for in Korea is just having an amazing hit tool, and yeah. like batting average is like something skills. that's easy to get late in the draft uh, without it being a huge deficit somewhere else. So, uh, I think you know he's a guy that you know in a ten teamer I would think about like, hey, back into my roster, I'll take a gamble on here. Yeah, I think that totally makes sense with Jung Hoo Lee. Uh, we'll keep an eye on his price to see where it goes when we do our outfield preview. Uh, we'll have some more data uh, on him as well. Got to hit the sad news, man. Two big injuries of uh, prospects that people really are excited about in different realms. Uh, Andy Rodriguez, the switch hitting catcher from Pittsburgh, 
tears his UCL, going to have surgery, missed the entire year. Uh, both guys got hurt in, in winter ball, which is unfortunate. This is not a ban winter ball situation. Injuries are going to happen. Uh, there are positives of playing winter ball, but obviously you're playing ball, so something can happen. You can get hurt. So this sucks. Um, with Andy Rodriguez, like, I'm not holding them really any. I mean, I guess Dynasty, you just hold guys because yeah. you got them, but like, you're already suspect of a catcher in fantasy, right? A, a prospect catcher. Now you're going to miss a whole year. I think he's just kind of off my radar entirely until he comes back. Keeper, even NL only, and even Dynasty, I might even sell low, to be honest. I might just get something. Yeah. Um, this is a huge bummer, though, for Andy Rodriguez and the Pirates. What did you think when you saw the news on Andy? Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it is a bummer for for Andy. Um, you know, like he had a lot of <laughs> a lot of hype that I was a little surprised about coming in, like from fantasy perspective, because he's not a guy that has a real carrying tool in fantasy. Even as a catcher, he was just going to be a guy who like could do everything pretty okay. Are you talking about um, the hype coming into twenty twenty three? Uh, I'm coming in 2022 and then kind of carried on because yeah, oh, sorry, I feel like I'm coming into 2023 and then yeah, and then yeah, because I thought he had um, a, a, a too much hype coming into this year, absolutely. And then yeah. for 24, I thought it made more sense because now it does look like he is he would have had the full time job or at least had a good shot at it, but obviously now uh, he's out. But I'm with you. So talk more about it about his skills when he comes back and if if he is fine from this and there's no major impact. What does he really deliver on the fantasy landscape that, that people were so excited about for Andy Rodriguez? Yeah, I mean, I think he's a guy who potentially is like a 15 to 20 homer guy with a decent average, um, which, you know, and maybe some chip and stolen bases, which is like fine and good and a really yeah. interesting catcher too. Um, but he plays in Pittsburgh. That's a hard park to hit for power in, and it's not gonna be a great lineup necessarily it's getting better little by yeah. little could be better um, by next year maybe he comes back in comes back in at the right time next year and uh, really infuses that lineup we'll see how they develop on in 2024 and while like i thought like yeah he's probably gonna be the number one catcher they got another guy there that lost catcher eligibility they've already said is going to be I a actually, catcher i just added him uh, as a as yeah. attack on here oh, any love for so, henry davis so they I, took this, him out from from behind the dish but now they're by the way they said that he was committed to catcher before this injury obviously mm -hmm. now they're going to double you know that now it's a guarantee they obviously didn't believe much in his catching that they first moved him but he he sucked in the outfield too how excited are you about henry davis he didn't do that much in his debut but he got the experience do you think that there could be something here to get him as a sneaky catcher because he won't have eligibility at the draft table but he'll get it very quickly in the season let's talk henry davis yeah, I mean, he's going to have catcher eligibility probably in the first three weeks of the season now, um, which I think it probably would have taken him closer to a month when ND was there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is a 4-1-1 player uh, that, you know, has had a lot of hype. Uh, his, his small sample in the majors wasn't like the prettiest of things, but he did it seven home runs and still three bases and 255 plate appearances. There were flashes. There were right? flashes of like, you could see it and you're like, okay, 
you know, but ended up with a 76 WRC plus. But, you know, 27% K rate, I don't love it, but 10% walk rate, like that's not a terrible uh, ratio there. Like you said, threw in some speed, did run eight times, only had three steals. So he needs to sharpen up on when he goes. But if they're going to, excuse me, if they're going to let Davis run, I wonder if he can maybe get eight to 10 steals with what? 14, 15 homers in a full-time catching role for Henry Davis? And then do you think he'll get supplemental yeah, plate appearances when he's not catching? I think he will get supplemental plate appearances when he's not catching. And I think his bat will play. You know, you, you mentioned 27% strikeout rate, which, you know, isn't great, but not atrocious. It came with above league average zone contact and just an 11.5% swing strike rate, which tends to make me think that actually – it would might or that strikeout rate might come down. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, when he cuts a full, uh, you know, full season in the majors, uh, you know, he's, he's very young, but he's very talented. And I think this is, he was already a guy that I was going to be looking at targeting in draft champions leagues and maybe even uh, kind of late in, you know, your traditional leagues. But now I think you've got to move him up your boards. Uh, you know, he's a guy, especially in two catcher leagues that, not going to start the year eligible, but once he gets that eligibility, like he has the potential to be a top 12, top 10 catcher because he can get a full complement of plate appearances, you know, as a catcher. Yep. I really like Henry Davis a lot this year. And th this is a true buy low prospect. Mm -hmm. And I know we talk about this concept all the time, but they get forgotten and pushed aside when they fall on their face in the first sample. This happens all the time time and i'm not saying that he's necessarily gonna guaranteed come back and be great but i'm not giving up on a 1-1 255 plate appearances into a major league sample that like i said did include some positives so i'm with you i was already on board obviously the price will go up but he's been 320 in dcs right now i think the fact that the catcher eligibility won't be on the card right away like you you, you won't see him showing up under catcher We'll keep the price at bay. I think this Andy Chavez, in, uh, excuse me, Andy Chavez, Andy Rodriguez injury <laughs> will boost him maybe two rounds worth. So let's let's call it thirty picks. I think I'm still taking him pretty easily at two eighty two ninety. What, what about you with Henry Davis? Yeah, I think that's pretty easy for me. I mean, right now I'm done my projection for him, but right now Steamer's got him for seventeen home runs, ten stolen bases, and five hundred forty six plate appearances, two forty four batting average. You know, that's a decent line for kind of a, you know, outfielder 5'6 uh, in a 15-teamer. But when we start talking about a catcher 2, you start talking about like, hey, that might be a top 10 catcher. Um, yeah, so exactly. I'm, uh, I'm definitely interested. I was already interested prior to this. This is on... This, in some ways, is actually bad news for me because it, it kind of is when you're on a guy, cheaper, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think he will go up quite a bit uh, in terms of the price, but uh, yeah, no, he's definitely a guy that I'm going to be looking at because I think he's going to get that catcher eligible quickly uh, and get those. So we love guy catcher eligible players who play in other positions who don't play catcher as much, exactly. And so they're probably going to bring somebody else in because again, they are already pretty suspect of his defense, but they're at least going to commit to him back there again. They have Jason Delay and Ali Sanchez, both of whom are defense first guys. So um, if Davis is playing catcher three, four X a week and then bouncing around between DH and the corner outfield, I'm so in on that. So I'm with you. I liked him before. I definitely like him now. His min is 250 in a uh, in the DCs. I don't know how many times he went around there. 
I would pay upwards of that too. I don't want to, but like if, if yeah. the price really does start to rise, I'm not out on that either for Henry Davis. I really I'm do like him. That. He is one of my big, um, you know, sleeper prospects that people are forgetting because he had a tough first sample. Let's talk about Ronnie Moe, Ronnie Mauricio for the Mets, prospect out for the year. Um, not the same injury. It was UCL for Endy, ACL for Ronnie Moe, but uh, both had issues. So, of course, that's the throwing arm there for Endy and then the knee for Ronnie Mauricio. That's his right knee for those that are interested in that for the switch hitter. This is a, another huge bummer, of course, because anytime someone's missing a full season sucks. But this was a guy that is really interesting to me that also kind of fell on his face in his little sample, 108 plate appearances, 77 OPS plus, but had two homers, seven steals, seven for seven. He's one of these super volatile guys that kind of has a little bit of a Javier Baez type profile. Um, and I don't, know, I don't know if he'll ever reach Baez's heights, but he has that sort of volatility because of his plate skills that he can look like one of the worst players in baseball at times. And then the electric guy who is on the highlight reel of quick pitch, you know, 10 out of 14 days over a two week span because he's doing something like when he's hot, he's electric. When he's cold, he's devastatingly bad. 29% K, 7% walk is the issue with Ronnie Moe, but power and speed from a switch hitting middle infielder is very appealing. Uh, where were you on Ronnie Moe before the injury? And then we'll talk about post injury now. Yeah, I, I probably wasn't going to be drafting uh, Mauricio anyways. Uh, the volatility of his profile, the volatility of the Mets organization. Like I just don't know how much I trust them in terms of their prospects. And like, how, are they going to give these guys full-time you know, playing time? Um, you know, this is great news for, you know, other guys, other prospects um, that could potentially actually get some full-time playing time in Mark Vientos and Britt Batty. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, but yeah, I think Vientos is one of those guys where, you know, in you're, you're probably holding on to him. And Wait, Vientos or Mauricio? Sorry, sorry. I think you said, sorry, Vientos Mauricio. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You're probably holding on to Mauricio in a number of dynasty leagues. Agreed. Uh, you know, especially if you've got a, you know, large amount of D or IL, uh, spots. Uh, but even in like shallow dynasty, most keepers I'm dropping. Like I just. The, so the profile is so volatile to begin with. I think he's one of those guys you just get off the waiver wire uh, if he comes back healthy next year and looks like he's going to have a starting job. Yep. I think that's exactly where I'm at with Ronnie Mauricio. We do not need to uh, expound on that further. The upside's there, but when you're going to get it, obviously not for at least another year. Uh, the Pirates did make another move. This was a, uh, an addition, and they kind of have a type over at first base, right? Like you can kind of put all these guys that they've had in recent years together. Carlos Santana, G-Man Choi. Um, uh, there's another one I'm missing that I can, can totally picture in my head, but I can't think of. But now their new one, Rowdy Tel Oh, they had Vogelbach. Vogelbach is exactly what I was thinking of. Mm -hmm. Daniel Vogelbach and now Rowdy Telez, right? Switch hitting for some of them, lefty for most of them. Uh, Telez is, of course, a lefty, just a power all or nothing first baseman. He's going to be their guy. Obviously, he has everywhere power. Rowdy Telez does. But uh, it, it, now the playing time is guaranteed in Pittsburgh, so that's kind of your trade-off. You want to get the full-time PT? Okay, but you have to go do it in Pittsburgh. Where's your level of interest in Telez after the big 35 homer season in 2022? He could not capture, recapture that magic in 2023 with just 13 in 105 games. Any interest for Telez and PNC? I mean, sure. They just gave Carlos Santana 619 play appearances. <laughs> or 
I, I think some of those well, were on. They were team, split, actually, yeah. but yeah, but yeah. he was a full. Your point but is, he was a full time player, he was a full timer with them. And, they were and this may be the exact same thing where they just flip uh, Telez at the deadline, and maybe you have yep. to make a decision at the deadline whether or not you want to keep him if he's going to a place where he might platoon. But like right now on Ross Resource, we have him platooning with I think Connor Cho. I don't know that he's platooning that much. Maybe a little bit, but I, I think Telez is going to get. Uh, pretty close to full-time run. He's going to hit in the middle of that lineup. The top half of that lineup is getting better, you know, especially if O'Neill Cruz is healthy. Yeah. Uh, like all of a sudden, you've got O'Neill Cruz, Brian Reynolds, Brian Hayes, Jack Swinski, you know, Henry Davis, and Rowdy Telez. I would assume Telez, you know, fits in there either fourth or sixth. So, it's I mean, not bad. is. 30 85 or 27 85 like out of the you know question for a guy like rowdy Tillis? not at all so. in my opinion i i, I agree yeah. i i think this could be a nice little landing spot get you a late corner late uh, util type guy reserve sort of guy um he 480 adp he signs now even if it goes up 80 picks you're talking pick 400 like it's not going to skyrocket to a cost prohibitive level for rowdy Teles. so if you were in on him before him landing does not take you off of him you can continue to get your shares and yeah despite the last year being tough i still think a healthy Teles is a quality you know 215 to 230 batting average so crummy batting average but mid 20s homers like you said and i agree with you that that lineup is starting to shape Cruz is going to be the linchpin. Uh, we know Reynolds is good. Hayes had a great second half. Sawinski's all or nothing, but the 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 net is positive. He is a plus bat. Uh, Davis, we just got done gushing over. Telez, don't even sleep on Leo over Pagero there at, at the seven spot right now. I kind of have some intrigue in him. He's going to play every day too because of his defense. So yeah, Telez could be a de decent little guy there. Uh, at, I mean, he's not that little, but right there at the back end, he's going <laughs> one. Yeah, decent big guy there. He's going ahead of a guy you literally just mentioned, but this guy's util only. So I'm curious, Telez or Mark Vientos as a pick 450 ish? Oh, uh, Telez. Yeah, like, because I of the PT, right? That, yeah, I don't. I mean, okay. uh, as much as I like, like Vientos has a lot of power. Like, there's a lot of swing and miss, and absolutely. Uh, and he's so bad defensively that like, there he's going to lose plate appearances when they want to give guys days off at DH. So and coming out of games yeah, like we don't yeah. talk about this a lot because it's really hard to quantify but you talk about a guy like vientos absolutely get defensively replaced later and just take that one extra plate appearance off consistently for a guy that's already stretching for pt that can be a problem let me move up the yeah. board a little bit more um and talk to you about seth brown versus telez mm, that's really tough is seth brown still first and outfield eligible i believe so just had him there. no just outfield not no longer first okay. so you're, you're trading first versus outfield there too i think honestly i think i lead seth brown a little bit um one i don't I do think too. i have a soft spot gonna right platoon um i think he's like it, the world sucks in oakland um but <laughs> not just the team but the entire world in oakland sucks um <laughs> But he's going to play, he will play every day. I think there is yeah. a world where, where Telez, you know, has a soft platoon uh, and loses plate appearances and, um, uh, or just struggles, you know, it, it, it's a hard park to hit in. Uh, you know, he's moving from, you know, a park that 
was a great park to hit in on a team that was exciting and fun. And uh, now we're going to Pittsburgh where I think it's exciting and fun, but maybe might not be as exciting for Amazing the park. And hopefully yeah, the team beautiful. continues to rise, like you said. And Brown, sneaky, decent outfielder. Not mm -hmm. like a stud, and I think his metrics are kind of all over the place the last several years. But in terms of his skills, the scouting on him, everything that I I observe, uh, you know, I'm not a scout, but he's a solid uh, defender, and so he can play a bunch out there too. So I agree with you that Brown's going to play all the time. One more, we're going to move up the board even a bit mm -hmm. further here. Stay in division, go back to first base, pick 445, Matt Mervis. Let's say Telez goes right around that spot, and then you're faced with a Mervis versus Telez choice. One of our favorites from last year that didn't quite pan out. Are you back in on the Mervis train? Not unless they trade Matt Mervis. Like, um, is Matt Mervis starting in the majors? Like, I, I thought I when I, the answer I, if I had to do like a, uh, you know, this is an old ass reference, but you know the freaking like newlywed game where they ask a question, you have to guess your partner's answer. If you and I were on a game like that, I was gonna write. Um, I need to see the rest of the Cubs offseason because my thinking was yeah. you're going to have questions about PT. Are they going to bring Bellinger back? Um, mm -hmm. You know, are they, what moves are they going to make? So you basically said the same thing in a roundabout way. Are they going to trade him? Because are we approaching a Mott-like intensity of hatred that the Cubs have for Mervis? Uh, and our 06010 fans will get that mm -hmm. from way back in the day. But yeah, like... They are not a fan of this dude. We we could not believe how many guys they got to block him last year. And then he came up and, you know, it's that kind of confirmation bias of like, well, see, we knew he sucked. So, uh, yeah, let's give him 99 plate appearances and make and, a big you know. judgment off of it. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 46 uh, WRC plus for him. I'm not out on Mervis, but I agree. I think I would stick with Telez because I just don't know where the PT is right now. Yeah. If we get to March and it's looking like he's angling at least for a strong side platoon, then I'm closer to Mervis, I think, because I'm not yeah, out on Mervis completely. We're about a month away from the anniversary of them bringing in Eric Hosmer and Trey Mancini. And so I think we need to give it at least another month. And Bellinger, we'll... right? Yeah, all three yeah. of them. Bellinger mm -hmm. made sense because he could play the outfield. We're like, okay, that's yeah. fine. And then it was Hosmer. And they're like, okay, this sucks. And then it was Mancini just to add another one. I was like, they hate this guy oh yeah. my god poor Murphy. i don't know who he i don't know who he slept with but it was someone his wife, somebody that maybe he should have known yeah. a relationship yeah. that they had because they hate his guts all right last signing and then we'll get into some things that you're doing to prepare for your offseason seth lugo to kc i'm a seth lugo fan excellent park is, is the team gonna infect him in a negative way to make <laughs> him jump off of him or do you like seth lugo here in kc uh i love this move um Me too. and like uh, there was talk about like, Hey, Kansas city is going to be a little bit more aggressive, especially on the pitching front. Um, they're going to, you know, surround, you know, uh, Reagan's um, and uh, in singer with uh, some other arms. Uh, and I think this is great. Like, this is just a fantastic, I mean, because it's a great pitching part. Like mm -hmm. why not? Like why continue to roll out these like random, college you know draftees that you got that clearly you know they're, well, you don't they're, want austin cox uh, out there you don't want alec marsh getting 150 yeah. innings next year come on what are you talking uh, about <laughs> in a division that's poachable and on a team that you know is getting better like quietly getting better like that that offense is actually really really interesting i'm um, so intrigued by there i was coming into the year 
it didn't really get off the ground and there were fits and starts for certain guys. And, you know, someone like Bobby Witt still had a great year all told, but then Vinny P gets hurt. Our boy, uh, Oliveris finally got there at the end. He ended up going double, double with a one Oh nine OPS plus, you know, I agree. And now Reagan's breaks out. We'll see if they can get somebody, you know, Reagan's Lugo as a one, two is not too bad. They mm -hmm. need somebody like a singer and a Lynch Lynch to kind of join them. And then you're talking because you can go, at least, you know, three out of the five days or four out of the five days, you're actually putting somebody capable up there. The problem last year was it was Reagan's and nobody else. Occasional yeah. good Granky starts, very occasional good singer starts, but the rest, dude, it was brutal. And now you've they, also got Kyle Wright, you know, come, you know, at, you know, but for 25, right? Yeah. Like, you know, he's, he's an interesting arm that potentially could come back late in the season or, or next year. Yeah. Uh, I think they need one more arm. Like I don't. Okay. Like, I know Jordan Lyles is a guy who can soak up innings, but you know I think between Daniel Lynch uh, and Brady Singer, they need like just an, one extra arm to kind of like be a stabilizing factor. So I'd love to see them go out and get another Seth Lugo type. Exactly. Uh, you Completely know, it doesn't agree. doesn't need to be the front of a rotation type of arm, but uh, a guy who can like go out there and you know, consistently deliver you five, you know, good innings. Uh, that you can you know. reliably project for like a 380 to 420 ERA over yeah. 150 innings, right? It doesn't have to Absolutely. be, like you said, frontliner, but just capable. Um, and I'm, I'm with you there. Okay, so I got the perfect either or on the Seth Lugo here. Yeah. Lance Lynn goes one pick behind him. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I know. I'm really laboring on this. I don't know who I would take. I think... I think I context win it in the end or and I think that's where I'm leaning. I think I'm leaning Lance Lynch just because the Cardinals offense is so good. Mm -hmm. um, they're not going to that... be that bad again. I just I no, I, th I think they're going to be I better. hope they are. Cardinal, you know, Cardinals haters, I'm with you. I hope they I are. will I will say though that so last year like, you know, I I made like a bold prediction or a bet whatever you want to call it um that ended up being wrong. But in some ways, was very right. Um, I bet on the Arizona Diamondbacks to win the division. Um, and while I was wrong, right, the yes. Dodgers won it. The Dodgers won it handily. They went to the World Series. But your so like, point was that they are a good up and coming. And unfortunately, yeah. you don't get like credit for that. They don't pay yeah. out like seventy percent. I should have picked them in the National League. Yeah. Um, You'd be not. Oh my God, that the odds <laughs> on that would have been bananas. Uh, I think. If and when I go to Vegas this year, um, I think I might be putting some money on the Royals to win the division. I think I'm with it. Like, coachable division. I think that offense is really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and you know, they've added some pieces to the bullpen. They've added some pieces to the rotation. I don't know that they're done adding yet. Uh, I think that the Royals... Um, or the sneaky dark horse uh, in the American League. Even with my favorite team residing in that division, and I think we're doing some things that I like. Yeah. Um, and I think a I, lot of people will be on the Tigers as like, I oh think no, so too. this is the team. Yep. And I think the, 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 the sleeping Tiger is actually the Royals. <laughs> the only team you couldn't get me to lay a nickel on is the White Sox. 
Yeah, absolutely. I can make a case for the AL Central for any of the other four teams that I think is compelling. Just because I think the White Sox are going to get worse. Like, yeah, yeah, on purpose too. Like, I think they're going to bottom out this year. They're going to trade C's. They might see if anyone will take Tim Anderson or something. But Tim Anderson's a free agent. Oh well, there you go. Somebody will take him then for free. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, but I'm I'm with you. I, I. I know it sounds funny for us to be gassing up a team that went 56 and 106, but I see the same things you do. I, I see some some light at the you end know, of the tunnel with this ball club, especially if they bring in that that other Seth Lugo-esque arm. You know what arm would be a really interesting fit? Hit me with it. His teammate last year, Michael Walker. It, that's exactly it. Yeah, that that's exactly right. the type of guy that we're talking. You know, health is really his only barrier to success. Whenever yeah. Waka's healthy, he's pretty good. I'm sure he has some occasional seasons that weren't great, but like they're usually health related when he goes down. And you know, I've been a long time Waka guy, um, so I'm with you. I think that would be a good signing coming off an excellent pair of seasons. By the way, not just last year, mm-hmm. he was good with Boston in 2022 as well. Um, you know, we were saying like get a guaranteed 150. He's more of a guaranteed 120, 125. But I still agree that that would be a nice signing because it'll be cheap too. It will not yeah. cost them. You could put Lyles as your number kind of six starter slash long man. Mm-hmm. You know, if Singer or Lynch kind of blows up or, or Walker gets hurt, you move Lyles right back into the rotation. Uh, and like, I think that is, that would be like a really good sneaky signing. Um, you know, other guy I could see them potentially kind of do. I mean, I don't know that they want to pay for Marcus Stroman, uh, but it could fit though. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind that one at all. Jack Flaherty might be interesting because uh, you get him on a like short term deal, yeah. uh, and that's that'd be a really great part for you know to kind of help protect his home run uh, problems. So, uh, and that's a yeah. chance at a front liner on the di- on a discount, exactly. right? Because healthy Flaherty, if he ever gets back to like full health and and what we saw at his peak with the Cardinals, could be a front liner. I think I like that one even more than the Waka, but I like Waka as like a backup. Uh, by the way, they signed your boy Chris Stratton, who's a reliever only, but I just wanted to point that out that uh, Stratton and Will Smith have joined that bullpen. So two nice bullpen pieces. Champions. Champions. Uh, hey, hey, you had, you had the D-backs, so I, I think we have to give you at least some credence here as we uh, look at the Royals and decide who we want to bet on for next year. All right, let's talk a little off-season prep, right? I know you're doing your projections, so your off-seasons are a little bit um, different than like the normal because not everyone's going to be doing hand projections. But what are a few things, what are a few tips you can give our listeners for how they can approach the off-season, right? It's kind of a wide-open landscape. They're probably listening to the show uh, and some of the other pods that are going in the winter. Like I said, maybe picking up a forecaster would be great. But what are some things they can do on Fangraphs, on BRAF, gathering info to help them get prepared? Because I know our big thing in the winter for you and I is to learn the player pool. That's the main reason we're doing these projections. But what are some things that people that don't have that kind of time can do to better learn their pool? So the first thing I do uh, is before I even start, quote unquote, prep, um, is I do like a complete autopsy on all of my teams. Yep. And we saw that last year on the site. Yeah. And I I think that, uh, and I didn't do as many articles just because I kind of ran out of time a little bit, uh, you know, before NFBC switched over uh, and I lost too much of the data. They switched over Um, quick this year. I felt like. Yeah. And that that was my bad. Uh, And I'll, you know, I'll make sure next year that I I pull all that data before uh, they, uh, they switch over. But I, I really sit down and I dig into each one of my teams and this will be easier for 
people who only play in one or two or three leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's most beneficial for people who play in a lot of leagues, right? Or at least people who play in multiple leagues. Because um, one of the things I learned after my disastrous 2022 season and doing this kind of exercise was what were the common flaws on each team exactly. that like led to me to like down like because I think there's sometimes where it's really easy to go, you know, to go to one extreme or the other, right? Either say I'm the worst player ever. I just you know like I don't know what I'm doing. Clearly, you know, uh, or um, or on the flip side, if you if you're winning, I'm the best player ever. Well, you know, um, or to do the opposite where you just kind of like you know, brush it off. Oh, you know, we all have down ears, you know? Um, yeah. I want to, and which, I wanna which you could have done last year, mm-hmm. but you didn't, you got into the weeds on it and said, Hey, I need to improve. What can I do to improve? And by the way, you went out and had a banger ass year. So that, yeah. that method definitely worked. At least it, it might've been happenstance that you just regressed back toward the mean and had a great year. But I think it was all the deep dive you did to learn from I your think, mistakes. I think it had a lot too do because i mean i you know clearly there were some common mistakes i mean obviously bad luck or good luck is involved in in every season right Mm -hmm. um but i think doing those kind of self-reflection times i think is just really really important before you start your prep um you know the next thing i like to do is draft right is is kind of jump into these traps um and and i do that one uh to learn the player pool um and if you you know if you're not not everybody can afford to do you know five or six you know 50 or 150 dollar drafts to kind of you know and so mock drafts um can be important uh just printing out the adp and looking it over and doing kind of like a a self mock draft is something that i used to do before i played in a ton of leagues right it'd be like okay well if i had the 11th pick would I, you know, be looking at doing in the first round where, you know, and start kind of lining, you know, a path. Um, and I do this not so much. I think we use the term learning the player pool, maybe a little bit too loosely. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not so much about learning the player pool. Cause I think if you are, you know, playing in leagues in the way that I play in leagues, and if you're listening to a fantasy baseball podcast in the middle of December, um, you're probably pretty in tune with who's in Major League Baseball uh, exactly. and who's in the pool. But it's more about starting to kind of come up with ideas about roster construction. Like, how do these pieces fit together in a way that I'm going to be happy at the end of my draft? I think the beginning of your drafts is usually pretty easy to go. Oh, you know, I like this guy more than that guy. I like this guy. But when you start getting, you know, into rounds, you know, 15 and 20 and 25 like those pieces that you really like are gone and so uh i really like to look at the adp or get into these drafts and kind of start working backwards uh you know start looking for those guys that i want to target later on and that'll inform me how i can construct the beginning part of my roster a little bit easier that's a great call yeah i think that makes a ton of sense um because and i think you can even start earlier than 20s round that you're talking about like make sure you have a firm plan on those teens rounds those are fundamental rounds to your team and i think too often people kind of get the the first 10 rounds in order because 
that's all that gets talked about on so many pods. And I don't say that to denigrate any other pods because we talk about the early rounds all the time too, but like there's not as much coverage on those middle and late. And then you get into those rounds and you just kind of lean on some names that you know, you're not as, you're not as in tune with exactly who you want. And that is where drafts are won. It really, really is. And so if you can hit on some of those uh, mid and late rounders that pop off, that's what's going to set you up for an excellent season. So I think that's a really, really good call out there. Uh, and anything else? One last thing that you have maybe for folks uh, that they can do. I think for me, it's about, um, you know, I mean, for me, like one of the things, you know, you mentioned, like I do projections, right? Mm-hmm. And the projections allow me to uh, kind of take a little bit of my bias out and also give me kind of ideas of like, okay, who do I really need to dive deeper on? And exactly. the, one of the ways I do that is by project, but, uh, comparing my projections to other projections, right? Maybe my projections aren't necessarily going to be as good as Steamer or the VATX or ATC. Um, but, uh, you know, when I have a big disagreement with them, that's when I can go, okay, you know, this is a player, you know, TJ Friedel was a guy last year where I was all like, my projection so much higher than everybody else. What? And so I, you know, I can Check kind of challenge myself. Yeah. yeah. I, and I, and I want to challenge myself. And so obviously not everybody's going to do their own projections. It's a long, tedious process. It's probably not <laughs> as fruitful as um, uh, I would hope or I'd like to think it is. But you can come up with your own set of rankings pretty easily, right? You know, kind of, okay, take take the ADP, start moving guys around, and go, okay, this is where I think each guy belongs. Um, and that shouldn't take you too much time. And then you can compare them to the rankings of other analysts, you know, the rankings of projection, and start going, okay, I've got, you know, player X, you know, I have Corey Soler way above, everybody else way above you know these you know the majority of you know people in the industry or projections and then you can that gives you um, an opportunity to go okay time to challenge myself start doing my deep dive start looking at underlying numbers and going why do i believe this and do i need to come back towards the pack or do i need to stand on my ground and go no my initial instinct is right and this is why i think asking these questions as opposed to you know, I think a, a lot of just kind of regular fantasy players, they, they print out projections or they print out other, they print out ranks from other people and they go, this is what I'm going by. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that should be the starting point of a deeper thought process and discussion for you in the off season. I completely agree. I think that's very well said. And especially the, the challenging yourself on things. Don't just say, Oh, I'm right. Cause I like this guy. Don't, don't go full bias should I really love this guy as much as I think? Oh, maybe not. I didn't look into this. Or am I way off on this guy that I think I quote unquote hate? Maybe I should look deeper, things like that. So I think that challenging process of going through, and that's where a mock draft or a regular draft, uh, again, you don't have to do like 10 drafts, but they're 50 bucks price points. There's some cheaper ones out there too. If you want to get into like, I think there's like $10 ones at like my fantasy league. So you can get into mm-hmm. cheaper stuff too. Cause having a little skin in the game does make the draft like more valuable because mocks can get really out of pocket. That's why we recommend that. But again, we know not everyone has extra money that they're just going to be throwing all over the place, but it is worth it to at least do one 
that you can really get in there and really challenge the rankings that you have. Battle test them. I know Jeff Erickson says that a lot, like, okay, I took these rankings in. I did not agree with that. I let this guy sit at the top of my board for four more rounds because I didn't believe in him there. Maybe I need to lower him then. So challenging yourself on stuff like that is a great way to get started. Like I said, the forecaster is awesome, but also so much information on the internet that you can plop into uh, an Excel file and really do some things with. So I like that, Justin. Appreciate you giving some tips there on how things uh, can get done in the off season. We'll be back tomorrow and we're going to start our position previews. Yeah. About that time. I'm not sure what position yet. I haven't decided, but uh, you know, we're not going to go in the standard order, catcher under reliever. So I'm going to figure out what, what's going to be first, but we're going to get that I'm, started. I'm going to vote for second base because I've got those completely done. You know what? And then I'll done. have multiple positions done by Monday that you can then choose from. Perfect. Well, that's also going to be your position for the uh, the Fangraphs rankings that uh, mm -hmm. I was telling you about the other day. So second base it is. We will start the Keystone tomorrow. Uh, but until then, I'll talk to you later. Take it easy.